The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Blue Stable podcast, the official cult podcast of fans cited. We have a special one today. It's just me from the Blue Stable team today. No Rashad, no Michael, maybe a little less arguing this way. So maybe you guys will enjoy it more. I have no idea, but we have a special guest. Please give us a big Blue Stable welcome to Kevin Bowen from 107.5 The Fan. Kevin, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dustin. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will be in the arguing mood. You never know how I'm feeling. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm down. Um, I, I, I feel like it's got to be less loud than me, Michael, and Rashad going at it. But hey, maybe you'll shock me and we just go down a rabbit hole today, Kevin. But we'll see what we'll see what happens. But hey, we can jump right into this. I mean, today was a pretty big day for the NFL, for the Colts, for Colts PR people, including yourself today, as. You were able to attend Chris Bauer's presser in person after a year of all Zoom um, interactions. How, how did it feel just to be, be able to be back in the facility? Yeah, I mean, honestly, just driving up to Grand Park, it, it was it's awesome. You know, I haven't been up to that venue really in, in now uh, almost two years, dating back to the 2019 training camp. So, yeah, I've talked to my podcast before. I love the Colts go offsite for training camp. I think it's awesome for fans. 19 open practices. It's so rare in today's NFL. So. Um, while the work is piling up very, very quickly, as I'm sure we'll get into, um, I get pretty excited this time of year because um, I might not be you know, some diehard front row fan, but at the same time, you know, this is my job, this is my passion, this is why I love getting into it, is getting some answers to your know, questions we've been talking about for six or seven months. Hey, yeah, for sure. I can't imagine having to do everything via zoom like that for a year like that, especially when you're used to being able to do everything in person it, and zoom is nice as it is. I mean, we're using zoom right now. It just does not beat face-to-face -face interactions. It just, it just no. really just doesn't 
meet it anywhere near. But going through Chris Brown's presser, I, it had a lot um, for the first presser of the year. I feel like usually when we get this, it's just a little bit of GM talk, just overviewing the offseason. But there was a lot to talk about with Chris Bauer today, it felt like. So let's just jump right in. One of the first notable things that I feel like we got wasn't just that Robert Windsor is going on the IR, but that he's officially most likely going to be out for the season. Um, what was your initial reaction to hearing that? Yeah, you obviously feel terrible for the kid. I mean, I thought last year I might have had him on my initial 53. I would have to go back and look. But um, he caught my eye maybe a little bit more than most during training camp, which I mean, to do that for a guy, you know, playing in the trenches without preseason games, you know, that that's no guarantee. So um, I, I kind of love how he carries himself. He's kind of strikes me as a guy that, you know, doesn't take uh, no very easily. Um, so, yeah, you, you just feel bad for him. Super deep position that you got to acknowledge as well. So it's not like it you know, hurts the team really, but, you know, I felt bad for him. Sounds like the hip had been bothering him for a little bit. And I went back and looked at my notes. He didn't participate in the spring. So this is something that, you know, I guess we could have saw coming just a little bit. Uh, but still, you know, season-ending hip surgery um, is something that you never really expect. So feel bad for him and obviously well behind the eight ball now two years into his NFL career. Yeah, probably not exactly how he wanted his NFL career to start. Um, but I see a little optimism in the sense that they're able to catch this early, get it done now. Because if I was Robert Windsor, I would rather have to get the surgery out of the way um, and get the rehab going than have to be near the end of training camp or near the end of when preseason's about to end and roster cuts are about to happen. Um, I feel like it's a blessing in disguise for him that they're able to go ahead and get that flag, go ahead and get that taken care of, and hopefully he's able to come back next year. I mean, that interior defensive line near the end of the depth chart was going to be a fun battle. Um, there's a few guys that are going to be battling for that spot. Um, now, if you're one of like those roster nerds like me, um, the Colts are now only at 89 of 90 um, people there. I mean, do we think they're going to fill that spot? Do we think they're just going to roll with the 89 into camp and just make the cuts from there? Yeah, it, certainly it's always a question this time of year. You know, defensive tackle doesn't need an, another number, at least in my opinion. Um, you know, I really probably got to wait till Wednesday till we get out there because, you know, usually, you know, I'm sure we'll get to the Darius Leonard news, but, you know, usually you kind of get to Wednesday. And there's like three or four guys that aren't practicing. And, you know, okay, you know, what if two running backs get nicked up in a day? Well, now you got to go get a running back. So, um, and one thing I asked Chris today was just, you know, how does the COVID situation with street free agents, you know, how do you deal with that? Because that's still a five-day protocol, I think, for non-vaccinated free agents, if I have that correct. So um, I do think that's a little bit of a hurdle. But, you know, right now, you look down at the roster and a number of linebacker, a number of tight end, maybe, you know, maybe D-tackle. But I, I still feel like that you're pretty good there. So nothing jumps off the page of me. But, Dustin, if we were talking Friday, you know, there could be two or three guys at a spot. And that's where your 90th guy would come from. Yeah, Chris Broward has always liked the flexibility. Um, I feel like having that extra spot, just being able to see how some of these rooms, some of these guys coming back look. Um, he, I, I could see us waiting a little bit to making that signing as well. Um, you, you spoke a little bit um, about the COVID situation. The Colts are officially above 60% vaccinated with at least one shot um, was a specification that was said today in that presser. I mean, for the Colts, I know a lot of Colts fans have been a little stressed out about it because it's been reported that the Colts are among the bottom, um, bottom five, I believe is what it was reported in the NFL in vaccination numbers. But it does feel like the number just keeps rising, which is which seems at least to give us some optimism. 
Yeah, you know, um, I felt like it would start to rise, um, and it has risen. Now, is it at where you want it to be? Of course not. I think right now the number in the NFL, I want to say, is 83 percent is um, is the whole league. And like you said, just a little bit over 60. Um, and, you know, how do people react to Frank Reich's news today if him testing positive? You could look at it two ways. Well, some players say, hey, screw that. You know, you can be vaccinated and you still test positive. Or, and this is what Chris Ballard stressed today, where you look at it and say, hey, he's vaccinated, but he's asymptomatic. That means he can get back to work quicker than a symptomatic individual could. Um, and obviously there's, you know, whatever um, reasons if, you know, you're with people of older age or higher risk for all those things. So um, you, you can look at it in a multitude of ways. Um, you know, I, I, there are some, you know, I don't want to say for sure, um, but there are some prominent cults that are electing not to be vaccinated as of this point. So um, a lot of people have asked me the whole forfeit debate, Destin. I like I think that scared a lot of people last week and rightfully so. I'd be stunned, stunned if a team got to that point. I mean, you're talking over 60 percent of the Colts are currently vaccinated. So what is every unvaccinated person going to test positive in a given week? Like that's very unlikely. Um, even if 10 people did, you've got a 16 man practice squad. Like, you know, at some point you would use that now close contacts and the connects on tracing and all of that you'd have to figure out. But the, the, the forfeit thought is nowhere near in front of my mind. The thought is what happens if you get some Tennessee cases that you got last year? And by that, I mean the matchup you had against the Titans last year where you really, I think, had three separate um, kind of instances. You had Danico Autry symptomatic, uh, DeForest Buckner asymptomatic, and then Jonathan Taylor was a close contact with his girlfriend who tested positive. That's what I think you could potentially run into. And obviously, when you play an NFL game season and it's 17 games, every game is so precious. You know, this isn't a Tuesday night Pirates-Marlins game where whatever, you make it up with a seven-inning doubleheader. Like, this is the NFL. So that's where I think the concern is there. And again, obviously, vaccinated people can test positive, clearly. Um, but I think the chance of spreading it, the chance of being, you know, symptomatic versus asymptomatic are obviously a lot less. So I really hope it's not a storyline. I hate the fact that we're even talking about it, but we have to um, because the numbers are the numbers. Um, but again, I, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into the whole forfeit thing. Yeah, I just knowing how the NFL works as a business, I just can't imagine that there is right. not A through Y plans in order before Z comes around and you have to cancel the game. Like there's I mean, you played a game on a Tuesday night last yeah, year. Yeah, like they, they're going to find ways. Um, now, maybe the only thing we're not going to see is we're not going to see how the Steelers, for example, or the Titans got to move some games around in different weeks. Um, we might not see that um, is what I'm expecting. But I, I think they'll still use the day flexibilities. They'll try to get games in. And then if they have to cancel one, they have to cancel one. But I don't think it's something that everyone needs to look into, like you're saying. And, I mean, the Frank Reich situation, um, it is interesting because, like you said, people took two sides here. When, when the reports came out, you saw players. Um, I saw Darius Slay from Philadelphia was one of the ones that, quote, tweeted Ian Rappaport's um, tweet about Frank Reich testing positive and being asymptomatic with an emoji basically – making the assumption of like, why are we even getting vaccinated? And then you just read through those comments. You just go through rabbit holes of people that have so many different thought processes on this. But I think, like you said, Chris Bauer, I think said it best when he was going into it, just saying that he is asymptomatic because he is vaccinated and all these other things. I think they're, 
I wish this wasn't such a polarizing conversation. I think Chris Bauer even mentioned that today is that he wishes this didn't turn into a political debate. And this, and this was more of a individual um, conversation, but that's the world we live in. Um, that's, that's how people respond to these type of conversations, but in a football sense, Frank Reich will not be on the field until next Monday at the earliest. He must test positive twice within a 24 hour after a 24 hour period from his first positive test to be back on the field. I am interested to see what that's going to look like for the practices being run. I know Frank Reich has, has already even said that he's going to be active via Zoom. I wonder if this is going to be Eberflus taking the lead um, in the head coaching realm as he's pretty much one of the more tenured members of this staff now and a guy who is believed to be looked at as head in head coaching jobs in the future. Yeah. It sounds like um, no interim is going to be named, you know, it's not like a Bruce Arians, Chuck Pagano thing or anything like that. Uh, Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator going to take on some more on field responsibilities. Obviously for anybody that's been to a practice really of any kind, the special teams coordinator, you know, has a lot of time off um, or I should say it's a lot of downtime. So, I think Bubba can help kind of organize stuff a little bit around that. And then just from day to day, at least from a media standpoint, we'll get each coordinator um, every other day. So I think Wednesday will be Marcus Brady, then Matt Eberflus, then Marcus Brady, then Matt Eberflus. So they'll kind of just um, off and on those coordinators. Um, you know, one thing, and I don't want to make this like a bigger story than it is, Destin, but like the first thought that did pop in my head was, you know, what does this do to Carson Wentz? I mean, it is four days, your first four days of camp that the guy that stood on the table for him to come here is not going to be on the practice field. Now, I would like to think that the message has been made very clear what Carson Wentz needs to work on. And Marcus Brady and Scott Milanovich, the QB coach, can handle that quite well. And assuming the NFL rules allow it, hell, I'd be having Frank Reich mic'd up like, he could be in Carson Wentz's ear. He could be on the sideline with a speakerphone. Like, wh whatever you need, uh, I would explore those opportunities to make sure that Carson feels comfortable in that setting. So, again, I don't think it's a major, major storyline, but it is something that, like, popped into my head. I'm thinking to myself, of all the people that you would want not to be there, <laughs> you know, Frank Reich is probably, um, you know, not <laughs> certainly not number one on that list. But, you know, from a play calling standpoint, you know, it gives Marcus Brady some chances, you know, to do some 11 on 11 stuff and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm not losing too much sleep over it. And like you said, as long as he tests negative back to back days, he should be back by Monday at the latest. Yeah. Now I'm just picturing like a robotic screen with Frank Reich <laughs> that he's able to control from home that he's like riding from the one yard line all the way down to the opposite end zone just to be able to see a play I, I would love to see it um Frank if you're listening just just an idea I'm just saying there's got to be technology out there to make it happen and right um, Winston also is going to have a little bit of a familiar face in this offensive coaching staff um, with Press Taylor, who's coming here from Philadelphia um, as the senior offensive assistant. Um, so maybe that'll help a little bit as well, that he's going to have a friendly face there as a coaching staff anyway. And then he's also going to – he's been – throwing with it feels like the entire offense this this offseason whether it's been in Colts minicamp or it's been on their own and we've even seen them meet up in Texas now 
um, just Colts players on offense getting together with Carson Wentz. So like you said, I do not think this is going to be a major issue, um, but it, I think it's something that the NFL is going to look at more of what they're going to do when this kind of things happen mid season. Um, I mean, obviously the Colts are lucky and this is happening right now and not week five, um, but we could see this happen. I mean, Frank Reich is vaccinated. This thing can still happen. And that's just the world we live in, sadly, Kevin. That's just the world we live in. But you touched on something else earlier that we've actually we actually saw a picture of Darius Leonard in a boot about a month and a half, two months ago. I think it surfaced on Twitter and he was at like a camp, a kid's camp. He was running and he had a boot on his foot and Colts fans were losing their mind because this wasn't being reported. Why is Darius Leonard in a boot? Blah, 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 blah. Andrew Luck rumors and statements being made because of an injury happening in the off season. You got to love the pandemonium that goes on and the craziness that happens when these kind of things go on. But Darius Leonard did have off season ankle surgery. They do expect him to make a appearance near the end of training camp or in the preseason realm, but he will not be here this week, of course. Um, so what, what did you have to make out of this news? Yeah, it was funny. I had a coworker of mine send me a picture of Leonard on a plane you know, a few months back with that boot on. And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go again. But, um, again, the first thing that pops in my head is, wow, what an opportunity for EJ Speed. You know, we talk about quarterback, obviously unproven behind Carson Wentz, two guys that have never taken a snap, never worn a jersey in an NFL game. You talk about linebacker, easily the most unproven uh, position group on the team behind your first two in Leonard and Bobby Okariki. So um, Zaire Franklin's a guy they feel like can, I think, fit that kind of third linebacker role. But you're trying to replace skill sets, EJ Speed, again, from an athleticism standpoint, um, there are some comparisons to him and Darius Leonard. So I just think it's a tremendous opportunity. I think it's a big opportunity for Bobby Okariki for however long he's in there. Because, you know, Okariki's the mic, so he's going to make a lot of vocal calls. But really being kind of the ringleader in the middle of that defense I think it's huge as well. So, um, you know, when I made a list of most indispensable Colts this season, it's kind of an annual thing I do. I had Leonard, I believe, third on that list. It's a bit high for me to put linebacker. Uh, I had him higher than Wentz. I had him higher than Eric Fisher, which I think was surprising to some people. But, like, this is kind of why. Like, I think you're seeing it right now. It's just like, oh, oh boy, like, who is the backup? You know, like, that's kind of one of the initial thoughts I think a lot of people say and I don't know and you look at EJ Speed's resume I don't have the numbers in front of me Dustin I want to say in two years he's never missed a game so injuries haven't been an issue I think he's played 34 defensive snaps and 28 of them came against the Raiders his rookie season so I mean think about that 31 games and he's played six defensive snaps I mean that is an extremely small number um, for a guy. Um, so um, that's kind of what, again, popped into my head. But sounds like nothing major and won't impact contract disputes or whatever, contract negotiations, anything like that. So, um, you know, one thing about camp, you got plenty of time before the start of the season, about a month and a half. It will be interesting to see um, for anyone that's there in person, 
in this first week or so just hearing because Darius Leonard is a very vocal guy um, we know that he's the vocal leader on that defensive side of the ball and he's just everywhere before snaps you're just seeing him talk to everybody um, and it when he wasn't on the field last year um, or if he wasn't on the field during practice it was Anthony Walker um, taking on that vocal leadership role just because he's been here he was here so long and he had that responsibility I am curious to see who would take on that vocal leadership if it would be somebody from the linebacker standpoint just trying to fill exactly where Darius Leonard is um, or if it'd be somebody like Kenny Moore um, who's been a leader on this defense as well I am interested to see what that could mean um, for this practice realm but I mean Darius Leonard not being on the field for a week or so is going to give them a little bit more to see who they want to come in and fill that third linebacker spot um, Anthony Walker's snaps are up for grabs. I mean, you mentioned two of them, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speeder, guys that could get shots at that. Um, we could see Jordan Glasgow, um, who came here, who's a draft pick last year, saw a lot of work on special teams, get a crack at it. Um, Matthew Adams, we share a last name. I've not been able to find any family <laughs> relation yet, but I'm working on it, Matthew. Um, but Matthew Adams could even get a shot at it. Those are all guys that have had some special team snaps over the last couple of seasons, Jordan Glasgow being one as a rookie last year um, but of all three really played solid snaps on the special teams realm and the Colts being a team that look at special teams a little bit higher of a priority than other teams across the league I am interested to see which one of them is able to earn that spot um, we also did sign a linebacker this offseason that I did not mention I want to make sure I'm mentioning everybody that's going to be in that race and for some reason his name is just yeah Malik Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson out of Texas, right? Yeah, former uh, third-round pick. See, I remember him coming out of the draft. I think it was like one of the first drafts that I attempted to start scouting myself. If I had to make an assumption of how good I was at scouting then, I was probably terrible. Um, I'm probably a little below average now. Um, so then you just go in the fact that I was that bad back then. And I remember thinking that that guy was going to come in and just be a stud wherever he went. I want to say he, he got drafted to the Bengals. And yeah, I think that's right. Out of, out of Texas, um, a guy that's kind of had to jump around the league. I think we're signing him. His most recent team was with the Chargers. Um, but that's another guy that's going to get some shots there at that third linebacker spot. And maybe he'll get more snaps now that Darius is going to be off um, for at least a week or two. Yeah, and super athletic guy, Malik Jefferson. Uh, great testing numbers. I remember him coming out of high school even. Yeah, I'm one of those nerds that follows Notre Dame football recruiting and, <laughs> and just seeing how um, – how athletic he was. Hasn't played a lot of defense though in the NFL, which surprised me when the Colts signed him. I'm like, oh yeah, this guy's definitely played on defense. And I looked it up. I was like, oh wow, not a lot. So again, Dustin, it just comes back to the point of like linebacker. You look at Okariki and Leonard, safety, you look at Blackman and Willis, you're like, whoa. I mean, that's that's a formidable middle of the field. But then you look behind them. And, and again, every NFL team is kind of in this boat, but it, it really drops in a hurry in terms of experience. Um, so yeah, it, it's a big wake up call. And like, I know a lot of people like should have re-signed Anthony Walker folks, Anthony Walker didn't want to be here because his playing time wasn't here. It's nothing against the organization. It's just, he wants to go start for a playoff team and he's going to go do that. But you drafted Bobby Okariki for a reason. The time is now for him. We don't talk about him maybe as much in that light, but they think he has pro bowl potential. I think we need to see more of that this year out of him. 
Yeah, I mean, Bobby Okereke has the name that should excite everyone when you just <laughs> – I think everyone just says his name in the exact voice that Pat McAfee announced the draft pick in. <laughs> every, every time he makes a play, I feel like that's just the go-to for Colts fans. But that's definitely somebody that I'm really excited to see who was already in a starting role near the end of last year anyway, but is still going to have a – upgrade and snaps this year for sure with Walker leaving um, and Darius Leonard is not somebody that has shown he can play a full season yet I mean Bobby Okariki could be asked to play a lot of different linebacker roles this year so it's going to be really interesting to see what that linebacking group looks like near the end and going a little bit more to a positive note away from injuries away from COVID Grand Park training camp for the Indianapolis Colts is welcoming fans back this year after a year of a hiatus um, because of the COVID-19 pandemic and deciding not to have fans in attendance for a training camp and really not having the same type of training camp situation anyway, even for the team. We're finally going to be back, um, not to normal per se, but we're getting a little sprinkle of our old normal, which is super exciting. Yeah, I'm so pumped about it. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the podcast. Destin is just fans in the building. You know, I, I've watched the Olympics and just without the crowd noise, I don't know. It's just not the same for me. And I'm, I love the Olympics. Um, so, so, yeah, Grand Park's a beautiful facility if no one's been there. Um, I, I love kind of Anderson and I actually went to a couple at Terre Haute and just I love how it reached different parts of the state a little bit. But you know, if you're in the area, and even if you live kind of in the northern half of the state, it's not a bad drive down 31. Um, just to see the facility, I think you'll be in awe. But then, like I was saying, 19 open practices, pretty much all of them in the morning. I think this Saturday is an afternoon practice. And I want to say uh, maybe the Panthers are kind of a late afternoon, early evening, like 4 to 6 p.m., uh, but free. And you, and you see everything. It's not like – you know, they're sending guys to different parts of the field and, you know, they're hiding it from you. You see everything. And I think the Colts are one of five teams that go off site for camp now. It's really shrunk. And they've got a 10-year commitment to Grand Park. So this isn't stopping anytime soon. This is year four of 10. So um, I, I love it. I think it's important for competition. You know, you come out there day four, day five, you know, third day and four with pads on. And all of a sudden, you know, you drop a ball and you hear that crowd noise. I mean, that that's just naturally going to light a fire in you um, and, and good and bad. So um, I, I really love how much the Colts enjoy doing it. And, you know, as someone that's you know, grown up in this market, I think it's nice to give back to your fans and, and not everybody can afford to go to Lucas Oil Stadium. I mean, it costs an arm and a leg to attend an NFL game. And so your chance to go see them for free, even without autographs and getting super close like, you know, you would normally. Um, I think it's pretty cool that they continue to do it. Yeah, it being in Anderson will always have a special place in my heart. Um, it was the first um, training camp that I was able to get credentialed to be on the field um, as a senior in high school I had to put my emotion on the back burner and not allow some of the guys that were walking next to me um, to make me feel unprofessional and want to ask for an <laughs> autograph myself um, but I mean it being in Anderson I mean my family lives about six minutes down the road from Anderson University I would go just about every time I could to like you say get some autographs I I remember to this day 
getting a signed helmet of Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning. And a lady went to hand me back the helmet after Reggie signs it after Peyton. And she smudges Reggie's name across oh. it. And my dad still has the helmet. I gave it to him. It was a present for him. Um, his two favorite players really ever and, and Peyton Manning and Reggie Wayne and Reggie Wayne just has a thumbprint um, in the middle <laughs> of the signature. But I mean, fans being there, I mean, like you said, we're not going to have the feeling of signatures afterwards. We're not going to have that type of fan interaction, but honestly, just the element of having fans around, I think just brings the emotion out of some of these players. I mean, in this Colts defense, um, they have some guys that might not get the credit talent wise that they, pro that we probably believe they should get as fans, but they they, they thrive on the emotion of the fans. Like they thrive on the emotion of the game. I mean, I would say Darius Leonard is a guy that like when the emotions going like that, he like there's very few guys that you'd rather have and having the fans there being able to cheer it on. Um, obviously we don't have Reggie Wayne coming in in helicopters anymore um, or anything like that, but just the thought process that we're going to have fans back is super exciting, not even just for the Colts, but for the entire NFL that are being able to hold training camp this year. I'm super excited to go out this year. Um, and I don't know what days I'm going to be able to be out there yet, but I'm going to try to get out there as much as I can. It's about a 40 minute drive to Westfield from Anderson where I'm at. Yeah, you know, one thing, too, that stands out to me, Destin, now that we talk about it, is, is the schedule. Um, you know, you get two home games right out of the gate. I think it's the first time, I want to say, in over a decade, the Colts will open up the season with two straight home games. And, you know, not to mention what those home games, who the opponents are and what the first five weeks look like and all that. You know, you, we've talked about that a lot. But, um, you know, just awesome for, you know, local fans, Lucas Oil and, and Colts fans in general. And, and I'd like to see it become more of a hostile, you know, home environment. And at the same time, you know, the product on the field, I think the Colts have played well at home, uh, but you haven't had a home playoff game. And now, you know, going on, I think seven seasons, which is pretty rare for this franchise, at least rare for, I think, you know, people in kind of our generations a little bit more. Um, so I think that's something as well. It's just, you know, getting Lucas oil back to, you know, I don't know being a little bit of a tougher place to play. Yeah, I'm super excited. This is my first year as a season ticket holder. Super excited to be able to be at those home games this year. Um, when I saw the first two home, um, I was a little nervous that we were going to have a road stretch near the end of the year. Um, it was right, right following those first two home games. We got three road games, I believe it is, um, in a row right after. So it balanced out. We didn't have any huge ones later in the season, which was what I, what I really didn't want to see. Um, it's like three straight road games to end the year or something crazy. Um, so we, we missed that bullet, thankfully, um, but super excited for fans to be at games as well. It's just a big part of sports that we just missed out this last this last year. Um, and moving on real quick to just training camp. We want to preview training camp this week. The veterans are here. Um, their training camp is being prepared. The rookies have been here for a couple of days, as well as a few veterans that decided to come a little early. Carson Wentz being one of those. Um, what are some roster position battles that you're really excited to see? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a question I threw at Chris Ballard today. And, um, you know, when you look at the offense, Destin, I don't see any open starting job. Um, now, what am I intrigued by? Uh, dividing up running back reps. I mean, I speak for fantasy football owners out there, but I just speak for a really intrigued uh, cover uh, of the team who looks at the running back group and thinks that's one of the best in the league, if not the best. So how do you divide up Taylor, Mack, Hines? 
you know, Wilkins, I don't expect much, but, you know, he's obviously still there as well. Um, wide out. I mean, Chris Ballard, you know, I, I, I threw the question at him and thought he might not really answer it, but you know what? You never know with Chris. So I threw it at him and, and all of a sudden he just started talking about wide out and mentioned some young guys that he can't wait to see and he can't wait for fans to see. And I'm thinking, boy, the top four to me are obvious if healthy and, and Pittman and Hilton and Campbell and Pascal. But what does Mike Strong do? What does Desmond Patman do? Um, is there somebody else that I'm forgetting about, like DeMichael Harris or, or J.J. Nelson's kind of an intriguing um, you know, veteran signing that happened way, way back early in the offseason. So that's a position that always gets a lot of kind of sexy intrigue because it's wide out. But like the fact that the GM said it um, obviously carries a little bit more merit. You know, certainly who's left tackle till Fisher gets back. Um, O-line depth. So I guess that's what stands out offensively. You flip the defense. I mean, D-end. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, flip to a me it's coin. a three for we two. Don't, we, we don't know. <laughs> right. I, uh, to me, it's a three for two uh, situation. So, yeah, I mean, it's flipping coins. It's I think Taekwondo Lewis and Quiddy Pay, but, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I like Al-Gadi Muhammad a lot, and I don't think he gets enough recognition for what he's done. And obviously they didn't make a lot of significant moves in free agency. Yeah. They waited a while to bring him back, but still um, it's a guy that they clearly like. And obviously do you see anything from Ben Banigou? Isaac Rochelle has got one of the better resumes on the D line. I don't know what that really says. Probably says more about the group uh, to be honest with you, but you know, as a Notre Dame fan, I mean, he was kind of always a forgotten guy, but just old faithful almost, you know, could play a couple spots and then, Third linebacker, third corner, you know, those are big. Third corner especially. Uh, I mean, when they go out there and nickel on Wednesday, I don't think Rocky Seen will be in the nickel. I mean, I think it'll be, assuming everyone's healthy, Rhodes and Kenny Moore, and then T.J. Carey. So, you know, Rocky Seen has gone from a guy that played the most snaps in the NFL, or excuse me, the most defensive snaps for the Colts on in 2019, his rookie season, to play in like the 16th most snaps last year. And if you're the fourth corner, like you don't play. So that to me is another interesting battle. So yeah, looking at the receiver side, um, just because I know my buddy Zach Hicks from Twitter might be listening, I have to mention Ashton Dolan's name um, because if his name is not included in this podcast, he'll probably try to throw a hissy fit. Um, <laughs> big, big Ashton Dolan guy there. I mean, Ashton Dolan showed a lot on special teams and, like we said, the Colts brass has kind of made it a unsaid rule over the past couple of years that the receiver five, and if they do decide to keep six, which with this group as deep as it is now at the end, you'd expect them to keep six. Um, the receivers five and six, you almost assume are going to have to play special teams. Um, so that's all, that's another element to look at because if just off of excitement, I would love to see Desmond Patman and Michael Stratton make the roster um, just big bodied fast guys for their size type receivers. Like th th there's just so much fun with those kind of guys. Um, like when I get Madden, those are the two guys that are going to make the roster <laughs> because that's who I want to just throw to in preseason and have fun with. Um, but you know, not everything is mad. Um, so obviously we don't know if they're going to keep those two similar type of receivers on the roster together. But like you said earlier, we do have an extended practice squad um, than years previous. Um, so we'll see if how they use those spots as well. But I agree with you on the offensive side of the ball. The, the most intriguing will be like the receiver end um, 
to see what that looks like and then who's going to start at left tackle until Fisher comes back. I'm assuming the favorite would probably be Tevi just because of he's had experience starting at left tackle. But, man, I mean, I have no idea. Um, they, they decided not to draft a tackle, um, even though Will Fries was listed as a tackle when he was drafted. They've all but said they expect him to play guard. Um, and right. even even he has kind of <clears throat> hinted at it in little pressers that he's been in that he expects to play as a depth guard for his rookie season at least. So, I mean, there's, there's options there, but if I had to guess, it'd be Sam Tevy. Um, the QB two spot's going to be interesting because I don't think they keep three quarterbacks on the active roster this year. I do think they're going to have one or two on the practice squad, especially with if the team does end up being on the lower end of the vaccination numbers, you want to make sure you have a quarterback option. You don't want to have what happened in Denver happen here where we have to watch Paris Campbell play quarterback. Um, so, so that or, gonna... or maybe, I mean, that might be really fun for a game. It, we, could, we could go uh, – is it, is, it is it Army in college that only runs the Wildcat? Yeah. Yeah, we, we could run, like we, that. I say we could run the Army <laughs> offense. Why not? That would be fun. Um, there's worse people to run it than Hines or, or Campbell. Uh, but – so, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, like you said, I expect those first four receivers to be locks. Carson wins some. I mean, this isn't a situation where we're, like, battling for quarterback one like some places. I mean, they gave up the compensation they did for him to be the starting quarterback. And, I mean, Easton and Ellinger have a total of zero NFL snaps played, including the preseason. Um, so, I don't – I think Wentz is pretty safe into his role. And then the tight ends, I mean, it's – some people would not say it's a great group. But, I mean, to have as many notable guys um, that the league would probably know name-wise um, in that name – in that area, especially because there have been reports that if the Colts um, decide to later into camp, Trey Burton might be a guy they end up deciding to bring back eventually. So we'll see what happens there in the tidying room. But the defensive side of the ball is where I'm really excited to see cuts. Like you said, the interior defensive line near the end to see who is able to get those reps and who's able to make the roster there. The other outside corner spot's going to be a really fun battle. I think a lot of Colts fans want to be Marvell tell um, just because of the, taking the year off because of COVID last year and Marvel tell having a rookie season that just showed a lot of promise Rocky Asin. I mean, I would love for Rocky Asin to just come out and surprise everybody and come off the disappointing year last year and just be the corner he was drafted to be, but we'll see who wins that job. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is pretty much on the, as the locked in as one of the outside corners, Kenny Moore in the slot and maybe on the outside here and there, just because they like to have him on the field. And obviously he's the best defensive end on the Colts. Um, most likely going to lead the Colts in sacks, Kenny Moore um, joking, of course, but Hey, we're, crazier things have happened. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see these position battles for sure. Um, and then the last question I have for you, Kevin, and I'll let you go because I know you are a busy, busy man. Um, do you have any bold predictions for roster cuts? Guys that you think may get cut that people are not thinking about, guys that might make the roster that people aren't giving enough credit to? Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I uh, posted something to our website this morning, uh, 53 camp storylines, uh, obviously 53 for the roster number. Um, and one of them was, you know, what surprise cuts, if any, do I see? Um, as of July 26th, I don't see any. It just, like, usually what stands out is a deep position and bad contracts. The Colts have deep positions, but they just don't have a lot of bad contracts. Like, Mark Lewinsky played every snap for this football team last year. He shouldn't be cut. Like, he should, he should start. Um Two names stand out to me, and I'll start with probably the obvious one on defense, and that's Ben Ben Banigou. 
Um, I think it's a coin flip if he makes the team or not right now. Um, if you're giving me a pen and paper and you're saying go fill out the defensive end depth chart, uh, Ben Banning is not the top four or five names, you know, and if Dayo Adangbo is ready, um, and, and who knows, like he's definitely not. I mean, here you're talking Quiddy Pay, we talk in Alkadi Muhammad, Taekwon Lewis out, out there on the early downs, uh, probably Isaac Rochelle, Kamoko Ture. There's five names before he even got to Banigou. And again, I didn't name a Dangbo there. Um, so he's the name, the first one that comes to mind. Again, notable. Um, wouldn't necessarily impact your win or loss uh, too, too much based off what he's shown his first two seasons. Offensively, the name that I keep on coming back to is Jordan Wilkins. I think he is the, and I don't know if this matters, but he's the best four-string running back in the NFL. And just when you think you don't need it, you know, Jonathan Taylor gets a close contact and whatever. Marlon Mack has a torn Achilles, and now it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, here's Jordan Wilkins. But the reality is this. He's a four-string running back that is in a contract year, and that's where you're starting to get into financials. How much money are you truly saving by cutting Jordan Wilkins? Not a whole lot, but – it's one of those things where you cut a Wilkins and you keep an undrafted guy like Deion Jackson. And now you've got him on team security for, you know, two or three more years. Um, and that's, I think with Payne Smith, Payne Leonard, eventually Payne Nelson. These are some of the things you get into of like, you cut a Matthew Adams to keep an undrafted free agent at linebacker. Do you cut a Jordan Wilkins to keep a, you know, undrafted free agent at, at running back? Um, now, the other position that I guess I'll say today because Chris Bauer said it is wide out, but like, who do you cut? Like, you're not cutting any of those four I mentioned. I mean, you cut Zach Pascal and Nick Sirianni might, you know, drive single handedly from Philadelphia and pick him up and bring him to uh, bring him to the city of brotherly love to sign him. Like, you're not cutting Hilton. I mean, why would you re sign him if you're going to cut? Like, so I just. Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I know you're probably looking for something a little bit juicy. Rock you see, no. Like, I, I just there, – there's no one that jumps off the page at me besides those two names, really. And I'd be, I'd be surprised if they cut Wilkins. I would. But he, he's just a name at a position that sometimes you see those guys with those resumes get cut. Why isn't there a best fourth running back in the league trophy at the end of the year? Why, why is that not something the NFL <laughs> right? has made con into? But um, I think Wilkins can't the guy, you lead off NFL honor show with yeah, that for real. Um, but alas, it's not for Jordan Wilkins. But um, he's a guy that I think a lot of people are linking to someone that could be his time in Indy could be coming to an end, whether it's via trade or cut. I would like to think that you could get a day three pick, um, a later day three pick, of course. It's training camp cuts. Um, that's just usually the kind of trades you see. And Bauer's been a guy who has tried to get picks for guys he's going to cut. Um, we saw it with Nate Harrelson um, a few years back, a corner they drafted in the slot area. They got traded to the Jets. Um, coincidentally, Quincy Wilson as well, who also got traded to the Jets. Um, and then also did I mention Henry Anderson a few years ago, who also got traded to the Jets. Um so the, the Colts have found ways to trade some of these guys that are not going to make the roster, whether it's for competition, salary-based, contracts about to expire-based, or maybe those guys just want an ability to go somewhere and get more playing time right away. I would love to see Wilkins get a shot to be – because I really do think he could be the second-best running back on a lot of teams in the NFL personally, um, and for sure the third. Um, either way, moving up the depth chart elsewhere – um, and his contract's about to be up, like you said. There's other guys that are going to get paid. He's not going to be one of them here. Um, and, 
hey, whether the Colts have like it or not, they have this stigma that they have to keep an undrafted free agent. We, we have we have way too long of a streak going on here. I mean, it's, <laughs> if they get rid of that, what are we going to write about next year, Kevin? Like, what are, they, what, what are they trying to do to us? So, I mean, like you said, Deion Jackson from Duke is a guy who is really exciting to watch on tape. Um, he kind of has that explosive passing type kind of um, running back, but so maybe like a Heinz um, backup. And then you have Mac to be the off the offset for Taylor. And that could be an exciting type of running back room situation. I don't want to see any of these linebackers get cut. That's a problem right now for me. Um, some, I mean, you're not going to be able to keep them all. And it's all going to come down to what they decide to keep, whether it's five or six receivers. That's always a big one. If they keep three quarterbacks, I'm just going to throw away my entire 53 man prediction um, because it's just all trash. It, it, there's, <laughs> no, there, there's no way to get around it. If they keep Easton and Ellinger, or I mean, Jalen Morton is a guy who's going to be battling for that QB two spot too. I don't want to take him out of the equation just because he wasn't one of the drafted guys, but if, if they keep three, my, my predictions are just gone and I'm wrong. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I will say I'd be stunned if Jalen Morton had a legit shot at number two QB. But, you know, who knows? I, I've heard he can throw a football pretty far. But, um, you know, safety is another position that kind of just popped into my head. I, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't know how notable Sean Davis or, you know, George Odomar. I expect them. Sean know, Davis the or Sean Davis. Right, exactly. I know. I, I don't know how to, without spelling them differently, I don't really know how to say them differently on, on the podcast. But, um, it's always a question that I get this time of year, but, you know, I, I often say to people, like, wait a week or two. I mean, I remember a guy like Shaquille Taylor who ended up playing some snaps against the Chiefs in that Sunday night football game. I remember a week or two into camp being like, that dude, you know, keeps on getting some notable run. And, you know, the, the stuff inevitably happens. And, and, like, knock on wood, and I don't believe in jinxes, so I'll say it. I mentioned it in the 53-man roster um, or 53 man, uh, 53 storylines, I should say, is like the Colts have really avoided the big training camp injury, um, which I know I kind of countered it by saying knock on wood, but I don't believe in jinxes. So I guess for those of you that do believe in it, um, knock on wood right now. Feel, yeah, exactly. Or feel free to rip me if one happens. But, you know, like that's that's where you get into it of like, oh, wow, you know, if someone significant has gone down. You got to go make an outside move um, to really help. That I, I can't remember. I mean, Jabal Sheard, I know, um, tried to give it a go on the first day of training camp one year, missed like the first month of the season. Uh, but that's really it. You know, Costanzo, I think, you know, battled a bit of a hamstring one year. So um, we haven't seen that that downright big time injury, like Cam Akers type of thing. And we don't want to mention um, um, Andrew Luck, of course. <laughs> well, yes, I, I mean, obviously that I think was a little bit more of a just uh, not necessarily injury. I think it was a little bit more of, up here, but um, that's that's neither here nor, nor there. So, yeah, I can't wait for Wednesday. And then uh, I don't expect full pads until maybe Friday or Saturday. I forget which day. I think maybe Saturday is the first day they can put them on. So um, should be fun, man. Yeah, super excited. Make sure you're able to go out to camp if you have the ability this year, if you live in the area or if you want to take a drive up just to be able to see these guys compete for spots. If for some reason you're listening to this podcast and you're a fan of the Blue Stable content, but you're not following Kevin Bowen on Twitter or looking up his work, make sure you're going to follow Kevin Bowen at K. 
Bowen, B-O-W-E-N, 1070 on Twitter. If you're into Colts content, he's a must follow. But Kevin, super thankful for you coming to talk Colts, getting ready for training camp. Uh, maybe we can get you on again for uh, sometime during the season. You bet, Dustin. Thanks for having me on, man. Um, always enjoy it, and I'm glad we can make this work. And once again, you guys are listening to the Blue Stable, the official Colts podcast of Fansided. Make sure you're following, subscribing to our YouTube channel or anywhere you listen to podcasts. My name is Destin Adams, and today we had the Kevin Bowen on today. And have a great rest of your guys' day, and go Colts. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.